Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're in a series, Walking with Christ Through the Gospel of Mark. We come today to Mark chapter 13, and I want to stress several things before we actually begin reading in Mark 13. Mark is an action gospel, and there's so much packed in every chapter. We're going to see some teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 13, but very quickly, right after that, in Mark 14, we will see Christ betrayed, tried, condemned, beaten, and prepared for Mark 15, where he will be crucified, and Mark 16, where he rises again, victorious over sin, death, and hell, and ascends into heaven with the promise that he will return. Well, he actually touches on some of the teaching about his return right here in Mark 13. I call, uh, for purposes of this episode today, I call Mark 13, be wise and be watching. Be wise and be watching. Mark 13. Now, there's a few things I want to explain today before I get into this text. The Lord Jesus Christ, being God, while we may be playing checkers or even Chinese checkers, the Lord Jesus Christ, in His infinite Godness, is playing three-level chess, like on Star Trek. So there are many layers to his teachings and meanings. Not everyone will be able to completely understand what we're talking about in depth today, but you will be able to get the main gist of the story. In fact, only four of the 12 disciples were privileged to hear this teaching. Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, the two brothers. They were the only disciples uh, in Mark here that heard the Lord Jesus Christ explain these things. Now, I want to give you several passages of Scripture that you can jot down, and while we go through Mark, you can look at these at the appropriate point. I'm not going to turn to them. What I'm trying to do when I go through uh, Mark here, especially this chapter, is I want to deliver the teaching just as Christ delivered it. That is, if he explains something, then I will get into detail. If he did not explain it there, then especially in this chapter, I'm going to depend on you to do a little homework on your own. You may want to even look up these verses before we go further into Mark 13. Here they are. These are Old Testament passages. Daniel 9, 27. Daniel eleven thirty one. 31. So that's Daniel 9, 27. Daniel eleven thirty one. 31. Daniel 12, verse 11. And Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Now, those verses, the first three sets I gave you, talk about the abomination of desolation that Christ is going to refer to here in his teaching. 
And Daniel 7, 13 and 14 predicts the return of Christ, which Jesus is going to speak of right here in this chapter. Also, two other passages you can look up. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 10, and Joel chapter 2, verse 10. So, if you look those up before we go into Mark 13, this will make a lot more sense, but you can certainly do that after we're done today. So we're in Mark 13, and let's go <clears throat> right to the first verse. We're talking about the need to be wise and watching. We're going to see the temple here in Mark 13, 1 through 4. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the mountain, Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, what shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of all these things when all these things shall be fulfilled? So, at least initially here, Peter and Andrew, James and John are the ones who asked him the question and heard his immediate answer. You know, possibly others heard as well as he got into this. But they asked him directly. So, in Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, we see that they're in the, at the temple in Jerusalem. Now, the temple was the center of spiritual life for these disciples of Christ until they had met Jesus. Now, Jesus is at his own temple, and they say to him, look at these buildings and, and the stones. Let me tell you about those stones. If you could think in terms of how large a a very large pickup truck is today. Maybe not quite as tall, but as long. Some of those stones were about uh, 15 feet in length and, uh, you know, three, four, five feet in height. They were huge stones, many of them. Not all of them, but many were. And this temple had been in the process of being built for almost five decades this was a magnificent structure. I'm certain that anyone who visited it was just awestruck by the temple. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. In 70 AD, when the Romans, who controlled Israel at this time, destroyed this temple. Word got out among the Roman legion that the gold in the temple, as the temple was burned, had melted down into the, you know, the cracks between the stones. And let me ask you a question. If these soldiers thought that there was gold between those stones and the cracks, how many stones do you think they would have pried apart? All of them, right? What Jesus predicted happened literally in 70 A.D. So he begins to teach them some very important things because the temple had been, for the Jewish people up to this time, the center of their spiritual life. And Jesus says, hey, you see all this? 
it's it's gonna be leveled. This must have been mind-shattering to the disciples because their very next question is, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? So now we see Jesus moves from speaking about the temple, and he's going to speak in verses 5 through 11 about trouble. Now, as I've mentioned before, the Lord Jesus Christ is on his way to your cross and my cross to die in our place, the death that we deserve to die. He took our place. He took yours and he took mine. So that if we believe in him, then, then his perfect sacrifice that paid the penalty of our sin is applied to us. So I hope you are trusting Christ today. If you're not, you should. But he is, he is literally right on the verge of going to our cross. And yet he takes time to tell us about the future. Wow, what a God who cares for us. So now we see him speaking about trouble in the future. Let's read in verses 5 through 11. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. Now that word deceive has the idea of like fool you, trick you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I remember many years ago, a false Christ in London, his false prophet took out a full page ad in London, England, saying the Christ is now here and proclaiming this individual to be Christ. I think he's long dead now. <laughs> For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation. That word nation there is where we get our word ethnic from. So think in terms of ethnicities shall rise against ethnicities, or like culture against culture. We sure see that today, don't we? And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes and diverse places, many, many widespread places. And there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils. And in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be preached among all nations. And when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So here we see Christ predicting the rise of false Christ, false prophets, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, and also persecution. I have decided long ago, and I've, I've redoubled my efforts, 
that if it ever becomes illegal to be a Christian in America or wherever I live, I want there to be enough evidence to convict me. I want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ that there's no chance that I couldn't be convicted of being a Christian. And by His power and grace, that's, that's who I am and that's who I want to be. And I've often thought if I were put on trial for my faith, what would I say? But you know what the good news is? I don't even have to know. If that time came, the Lord will tell me what to say to be a witness for Him. And that would be true for you as well. All right, in verses 12 through 32, we see him speaking about tribulation. And tribulation is, a, is another word for trouble, but we see here that this is a, a type of trouble that the world has never been through and never will be through again that he speaks of here. Now, the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days." And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall be affliction. There's, there's that word tribulation, you know, intense trouble. For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time neither shall be. And except the Lord had shortened those days no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders that is, miraculous signs and wonders, to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed. Behold, I have foretold you all things. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And they shall see the Son of Man, that's Jesus now, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great glory, excuse me, with great power and glory. 
And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye, in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed and watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. So read that. Let me reread that. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. So be careful about predicting the time and date. I have some opinions about all of this, but I'm just presenting this as the Lord Jesus Christ presented it. So we see him speaking of tribulation, of false Christs and prophets arising. Then you know, if somebody has to tell you, hey, Christ is now here, he's down on Main Street in Suite 2B, that it, that's not Christ. <laughs> well, how do you know, Pastor Ed? Because Christ, when he returns, everybody's going to see him. So you don't have to worry about that, okay? So if anybody's trying to convince you that, that uh, Christ is appearing in a seminar in your city, uh, that, that won't be him. Because when he comes back, the entire alphabet networks will all, I think, see it. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News Channel, NBC, CBS, ABC, and whatever other ones I've forgotten, you know, it's easy to see in our day how it can literally be fulfilled that every eye shall see him. Because there are uh, events that happen now somewhere around the world, and the entire world literally sees these events through, uh, you know, video and television and satellites and all of that. So when Christ returns... Uh, nobody's going to have to like tell you where he is. You, you will see him. You will know. The whole world will know. So Christ takes the time before he goes to our cross to explain that before it gets better, it's going to get a lot worse. And he, he tells us all this for a reason. And here's the reason. He wants us to be wise. That is, don't be tricked. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Christians, may I say something to all of us in love? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we as Christians are the most gullible, clueless group of people on planet Earth. And we should not be that way. We should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, as the Lord Jesus Christ said elsewhere. So, don't be tricked about the Christ is, uh, you know, somewhere and you can go meet him, but, you know, you're the only one that knows. Um, when he comes, everybody will know. 
And don't be tricked by false Christs and false prophets. Don't be rattled. Don't lose your head. Don't, you know, uh, blow a gasket if you're worried about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. These are merely like if a, a lady's going to have a baby, it's merely the beginning of birth pangs. It's not the entire event yet is leading up to that. But Christ has a message for you and me right here at the end. He's going to give us a tale, a story. You know, Christ used parables so often because they are so easy to remember and to remember the point. So let's go to verse 34, and we're going to finish out with 34 to 37 in Mark 13. So here's the tale. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning." lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Now in Mark here, if you do a little word study, there's two different words used for watch. Earlier in Mark 13, he uses the word blepo. Blepo means, uh, I would put it like this, it is an attitude of being watchful. You know, don't be tricked. Have an attitude of being uh, smarter than, you know, than the average bear. Don't be fooled. Be wise. Be watchful. Here at the end, he, a different Greek word is used, Gregorio, Gregorio, rather, and that word has the idea of an action. Not, so we not only have the attitude of being watchful, we are literally being watchful. We are watching. Yesterday, I was uh, outside a grocery store, and I, wanted, I saw one of these machines where you can rent videos, and it just struck me. You know, at the top it said, watch and play. And I was thinking, you know, and I know that's just an advertisement for that company for the videos, but I was thinking that's exactly not what we as believers are supposed to do. We are to watch and pray, not watch and play. Now, I realize we can't work all the time. We can't do ministry 24-7, 365 the Lord has seasons, and we have to rest, and we have to retire with Him and enjoy His fellowship, and I get all of that. But sometimes I think that it's easy as believers to get sidetracked where we're, we're doing a lot more watching and playing than we are watching and praying. And you know, if we're not watching and praying, we can get into a lot of trouble. Because in the very next chapter, in Mark 14, we're going to see, and it's a story that you know well, Christ is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked three of these 
Well, he asked all the disciples, actually. I'm sorry. Let me, let me be clear about that. Uh, except for Judas, the disciples were with him. And so, remember, he's initially here at least. I don't know if the other disciples heard some of this as they came around them. But initially, he tells Peter and Andrew brothers and James and John brothers what we're seeing here. And guess what? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and the other disciples, minus Judas, are all going to fail this test. Christ told them to watch and pray in Mark 14 while he prayed. And yet two times he finds them sleeping. And I'm not putting them down. They're greater men of God than I will ever hope to be. But I'm just saying that he, he just right here warns his disciples, don't, don't be deceived, don't get lazy, don't become unwatchful, you know, be wise, be watching, watch and pray. And I, I'm sure that he did that to try to help prepare them to not do what they ended up doing in Mark 14, and that is not watching and praying. Anyway, what's my point here? What am I trying to say? Too often in the Christian life, we make it about our, our work and our school and our families and our homes and our this and our that. And it's sort of like the Lord and his kingdom and spiritual things and being watchful and prayerful uh, takes a distant, you know, 23rd place in our life. This should not be. We should go through every day with an attitude of being watchful and praying. We should be wise and watching. Now, I don't want to get into all the details here because at some other time when we teach another book of the Bible, like First uh, Thessalonians or the book of Revelation or so on, the Lord gave greater detail about all this to the Apostle John and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. So more detail is added later in the New Testament than this broad outline given here by the Lord Jesus Christ. But too often, friends, we, we live as if the coming of the Lord is a thousand years from now. And let me, let me bring us up short. Let me pull us all up short. You might not live long enough to ever see any of this literally happen on the earth, but if you were to pass away today, uh, a lot of things would become pretty clear, wouldn't they? If you're a believer, you're instantly with the Lord, and you would wonder, like I wonder sometimes, why do we put so much effort into things that aren't going to last when Christ and his kingdom is the important thing? But if you weren't saved and you died today, you would run into your own personal tribulation because you would die in your sins without what Christ did on the cross paying your price. You would have to answer personally for your life and your sin. And there would be no hope because there's nothing you can do to save yourself. And you would be apart from the Lord forever in a place that Jesus Christ himself called hell. He came to die on the cross so that you would never, ever have to go there. I want to know, have you received Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? 
And don't tell me about a time that when you were six, you prayed some sentimental prayer, and there's no evidence since the time you were six years old and now that you're saved. Maybe you were, but I wouldn't hang my salvation on that. Now, if you, you prayed like when you were nine and you believe you got saved and you haven't been perfect, but you've, you love the Lord, great. But if you're basing your salvation on some action that you took, you know, decades ago, but there's no evidence of any spiritual life in you right now, you may need Christ. You may need right now to confess your sin to him and give your life to him. Now, if you're already a believer, man, the stuff we read today is like, wow, what a plan, and I'm on the winning team. We win. We win because Christ wins, and we're part of his kingdom and part of his family. Isn't that great to know? So as we make our way to the cross of Christ, the burial and the resurrection, Jesus here takes time out to answer questions about biblical future prophecy. And I hope this has whet your appetite to learn more. And at another time, we'll do deeper studies into the rapture of the church and what happens when a believer dies and the tribulation and all of that. But I wanted to deliver this today as Christ gave it. And hopefully I've, I've tried to do that. And I hope it's come across that way for you. I'm so glad that you've listened today to This Week in the Word, and I want to uh, tell you how you can reach out to me if you would like to do that. You can email me at pastoredhill at gmail.com, P-A-S-T-O-R-E-D-H-I-L-L at gmail.com. I'll get that email personally, and maybe you have a Bible question Uh, something you don't understand, I welcome you to email me. Please, no one spam me. I'm way too busy for that nonsense. But if you have a Bible question, I'll do my best to give you um, an answer to that. But I'm so happy you joined us. I want you to tell other people how they can find this podcast. They may not go to church. They may not listen to anybody about biblical things or Christ or Christianity or truth, they might listen to this. They might not ever let you know, but they might listen and they may come to Christ. Wouldn't that be great? Tell them to go to www.dredhill.podbean.com. So that's this way, www.dr, no period after that now, just dredhill.com podbean.com. They can also look for us, uh, I believe we're still on Apple iTunes, hopefully, Google Play, and so on. But uh, the easiest way is just to go to that address I just gave you. They'll be able to download the free app. Did I mention it's free? There's no charge. Maybe set somebody up uh, who can't go to church. Um, Get them an iPad, or if they've got a laptop, or even their phone, I think this works okay on phones, hopefully. I'll show them how to put the app on their phone or to log in online and listen because they may not be able to get out to church anymore. Uh, Maybe you know somebody who's in prison. They can't go to church yet, right? (laughs) Maybe chapel there. 
tell somebody how they can listen to this, and I believe the Lord will reward you for that. So thanks again for listening in today. We're coming up as I record this Easter. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is only a few weeks away, and we're going to make our way with Christ through the Gospel of Mark until we come to the resurrection of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to This Week in the Word. God bless you is my prayer.